like the good old-fashioned days where i like edited every episode that's why i love live streaming because i don't have to do anything i just set it all up and i just press a button and it goes live and then matthew raymer content safe takes it and puts it everywhere else so like my workflow is just record and bam <laughs> it's the greatest thing and ever you do the intros uh the same time at when yeah. you do it a lot yeah and so that's the cool thing about Streamyard is that you can upload videos and you can do um you know the theme music you can do all that fun stuff with it and so that's why i've just really utilized it for that purpose really solely is just to make it easier and then i don't know it's just fun to do the live stream and chat with the people and then i generally notice like people are more inclined to do like super chats or whatever like donations like when it's a live stream and there's like participation involved so i don't know i mean it's it's a good deal but you know but there's also something to be said for pre-record and get a high quality quality audio going in, making sure it's nice and dialed in and perfect. So it's like really two different products. It's like two different things. You know, you have the live stream or you have, which you do sacrifice a little bit of audio quality. You do it's, you know, there's errors, glitches, things happen. Um, and so, you know, so it's like two different ways of doing it. So, you know, each one yeah, is two, valuable. Two different philosophies. Yeah, no, yeah. I completely agree. Like I, I you know, when I live streamed a, a few times before I got kicked off YouTube, I, uh, I, I like that aspect of it. Like it's there. I don't have to, I don't overthink things. I don't, it's like, it's just, it is what it is and it's there and I can move on to the next thing. But, um, you know, because I will drive myself crazy with audio sometimes. I'm like, Oh, let me, I could maybe improve this and I'll go in and try to like cut out some little noise or a little tone in the background and use all these different, imp you know, these, uh, uh, different uh, tools to try to remove uh, some something that's bothering me, and then I'm like, you know, I'm like, but is anybody going to notice this shit? But then the other hand, I'm like, but once I do do it, right? Like, I want the best audio quality out there because I'm assuming it's going to be out there forever. So it's like I'm taking a little bit of time now, and it's a little bit time consuming. But once it's out, at least it's there forever, and uh, you know, it's worth taking that little extra, um, you know, energy to to make sure the it, it's as pleasurable to listen to as possible yeah and that's what it's all about like like even like adam curry says he's like if you're doing like a, some sort of video production it's like the video could be horrible it could be awful but if you the video or the audio is shitty then you just like you might as well scrap the whole thing like, it's all about the audio it's all about the audio and i'm the same way i i could fine tune and tinker and spend hours just like erasing things or editing things and something you know i actually kind of like had to force myself a long time ago back when i was like editing 
each back in like the Truthzilla days and we were doing like each episode and I was sitting down and editing. And it's like, I had to just let go and just be like, I could literally just spend endless amount of hours just nitpicking about every little thing. Like every time I go, um, or, uh, or and like, Oh God. Yeah. So I just, am like, you know what? It just, it is what it is. So it's all right. It's all right. But I can also relate to just being obsessed with the audio issues. Like, Oh my God, there's nothing more frustrating than like, I've had this happen before where I'll do a whole episode and go back to listen to it. And I realize that like, and this is, this is another issue with StreamYard. And those of you that may not know, like we pre-recorded because StreamYard is just not, was not behaving. And so we're like, fine, screw you StreamYard hop over to zoom. But, uh, you know, it, it sometimes just out of nowhere defaults and reverts back to like either the default microphone, like your laptop mic or the webcam mic. And so like I had a really like powerful episode and went back and it had all gone through the freaking webcam mic. And it sounded like I was in like a tin can. I'm like, Oh my God, like how frustrating is that? And, you know, I put out a bounty to my listeners. I'm like, okay, anybody in the live chat, if you hear my audio, let me just double check here. Now that we switched now that I'm on zoom, let's see. Okay. Yep. Good. I'm going through the audio. Interview. So I said, if you hear my audio sounds like crap, like let me know and I'll give you 25 bucks after the show. <laughs> like, please. Like I put out a bounty so they can help produce the show in that regard. So anyway, yeah, nothing I, more aggravating than that. And then sometimes I, I, I catch myself doing it all the time. And I, I don't know, like that shy kid from like high school comes out during podcast sometimes. And I'm like, yeah. there's a fucking noise that's bothering the shit out of me with this guest. And I'm too quiet. I'm like, I don't, I'm like, maybe it'll just go away. Maybe it'll just go away. Yeah. Maybe. And I just keep waiting and waiting. I'm like, I should have fucking said something. Yeah. There's some noise that like, you know, I forget which guess I had. That was like some ticking or something. I'm like, there's I'm like, she's doing something. I'm like, I think she, I'm like, she hitting something. Is she touching something? Like, is she too, like, what's going on here? And I'm like waiting for it to go away. And then next thing you know, like either I live with this annoying noise because I was too embarrassed to just say, Hey, are you, you know, is something going on with your microphone or, uh, or what ends up happening is I drive myself crazy trying to remove it later in the audio. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, if I just said something, I'm like, I could have yeah. fixed this problem much sooner. So that's, uh, it, it's hard because when you're in the flow of a conversation, you, you don't want to ruin the flow. And I'm like, okay, this could completely, you know, affect the conversation because next, you know, we could end up having a 10 minute conversation about like, Oh, what's going on with the audio? Can we, Oh, is it this, is this better? Is it? And that, next thing you know, like you spend 10, 15 minutes on, on something like that. So it, it really sucks, but it, it definitely sucks too. When you have a amazing podcast and you feel like maybe some people are going to tune out or not enjoy it as much as they could because of some little audio issue. It, it's, it's hard, man. But like, yeah. you know, you play music, I play music you could spend forever mixing a song. I mean, forever. Like you hear it in your car and you're like, fuck, the bass drum's too loud. And then you go, in, you know, in at home and you're like, oh, now it's too low. And, you know, and you go and you could just completely overproduce stuff. So it's, um, I, I think there's something about like, as long as the audio is decent, you know, people will enjoy it. I mean, people still listen to old music that is, you know, the production value is way worse than, you know, the stuff today. And now we're almost in the direction. And I'd love to get your opinion on this, but yeah, like some yeah. people believe like things are way overproduced where there's something less organic about today's music that people still enjoy. That, that's the reason why people still enjoy some of the older stuff. Yeah, that's totally true. You know, like some of the just, you know, modern music. Yeah. I mean, it sounds good, but it's it, it, the overproduction aspect. It's like, well, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact, and this is, I think it's kind of a double-edged sword. Okay. So they've 
in all of these different aspects of media production, like we've been given the keys to the kingdom. You know what I mean? It's just like, we've been like, I, before we, in order to have a show where anybody could watch it, you had to like go to school and get an internship and then get like at an, at a TV station just to do what we're doing here. You know what I mean? And so the whole barrier to entry has been removed and same thing with music production. And, um, you know, I've been playing a lot more music lately and then, uh, you know, and I'm realizing like, and I've started teaching myself like a garage band, for example, I've been learning garage band and I'm like, Whoa, like, this is amazing. Like, I don't know. Have you ever used garage band? Are you familiar with it or? Yeah, it's it's pretty similar to Pro Tools. Pro Tools, it's... yeah, I think it's the well, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's, that's right. We were saying you have Pro Tools, so it's like the the poor man. It's like free. It's free. I had no idea, and that was the thing that like I talked myself out of doing it for so long. So I'm like, oh yeah, Pro Tools is so expensive. All these systems are so expensive, and like, ah, oh, maybe someday, you know. And then I was like, one day I was just like, you know. I'm just going to do it. I don't care how much it costs. Like, let me see how much GarageBand is. And I kept like searching the internet, trying to get, all right, GarageBand price. Like, how much is it? And I couldn't find anywhere where it would tell me. I'm like, wow, it must be just like thousands of dollars if they just don't tell you how much it is anywhere. And I was like, oh. And then I found like some blog or someone said, was talking about the whole GarageBand story about how Apple, like, they really just like, you know, they wanted to give it to the world as a gift for free. And I was like, what? So it's free. And I sure enough, I downloaded it. It's free. And I've just been going through tutorials and it's powerful. Like, it's amazing. Like the drum system, like, I don't know what uh, they have on Pro Tools, but basically it's like a little square with like a little dot and you just move it around. Like you pick a basic beat, like if you want like a rock or a country or blues beat, and then you move the little dial and you just move it all the way around. And it's like more complicated, less complicated, stronger, softer, or no, let's see, complicated, uncomplicated, stronger, softer. And you just kind of move the little ball around and the whole beat changes based on that. So you can just really customize the drum beat or like, let's say you're doing a verse and then you're going into a solo or, or, a, or a chorus, then you can add some more percussion you know, bells and, and cowbells and all this stuff to it. And to, to kind of like change it throughout the song. And it's just like, Whoa, man, it's so easy. So I think the fact that we have so much access to so much things we can do to it, then, you know, it kind of lends itself to maybe people just going a little too crazy with it, you know, and uh, with like auto tune, for example, like I'll admit, like if I'm doing like a guitar solo, there's like a couple spots. Cause you can do auto tune with like the guitar track too. It's like, if I don't, if I'm doing like a bend, and I don't quite hit the note. It's like, just put a little like 15% like auto tune on it and puts it right where it needs to be. You know, it's like, okay, all right. I can see that. So, you know, it's a double-edged sword. You know, I think that I'm very, very grateful for being able to have access to it, but I could also see, you know, with our, with our personality tab where it's like, Oh, I want to make this bigger, better, more perfect. You could just spend forever just adding on to a song. And, and maybe that's not necessarily what overproduction per se is but yeah i know what you mean it's like versus back in the day where it was just you know you get four guys high on coke in a room and put a microphone in front of each one of their instruments and let them rip you know and like so uh yeah there's definitely you know i don't but i don't know i don't have the capability to do it. i don't have the capability to bring a whole band in here with the nicest equipment ever and record each individual player while they play at the same time so it's like i have to do it layer by layer you know so i don't know which is time know. consuming. It uh, is. I'll, I'll, like the, the some people might know the and theory six was my music project, and that's yeah. where the name the ripple effect came from. It was a, a song I, I I created called the Ripple Effect, and 
the time it took to to create a song from beginning to end by yourself was so time consuming because when you're in a band it's like hey let's try the song this way we just play it that way let's try the song this way oh let's change this part and you just play it and everybody's involved but if you're doing it on your own it's like i gotta change the whole song just to see that i don't even like it the way that i'm proposing to do it you know like yeah. it's like i change all this stuff i'm like oh now this sounds worse i need to go back you know and so and just the time but it, there is something about those type of tasks like you hear about like video editors who like mm -hmm. love editing like they, they love just spending hours on the computer just like you know uh, problem solving right you're figuring out how do i do this how do i do that you're being creative you're you're trying to trying new things how do i make it look better and um music's the same thing and, and podcasting i think having conversations is very similar and just something beautiful about like the problem solving aspect of it and the creative um you know exercise that it, it, it is of like just trying to figure something out like how do i how do I start with that idea and then make it make it into something right? And uh, it's beautiful. It really is. It's um, it, you know, being artistic. And I think conversation. That's one. I think why many of us musicians love conversation. It's kind of very similar. Like you're taking something internal and you're m creating something external with it, right? You're you're taking. You know, uh, I forget who said it, and um, but it's so true. To like thinking uh, or talking is just thinking out loud, right? That's all it is, and. Uh, and it's true, right? Like you, somebody who who talks a lot, a lot of times you're also, you know, having a, when you're having a conversation, you're also not just stating your perspectives and opinions, but you're figuring out your perspectives and opinions while you're stating them, right? You're like, I'm just putting it out in the universe. Like I might be right, I might be wrong, but this is what I think. And if you make a valid point that I didn't even consider now, all of a sudden it's like, okay, maybe I'm wrong. You're right. Maybe. And then, then the, the conversation takes a journey this way and that way. And it goes in all these directions and it's just a, a beautiful thing. And, um, I don't know what the hell any of this has to do with overproduction. I completely got oh, us off, okay. but it's, a, it's, uh, but it's true. Like there's something, yeah. I think we, we have a connection to like, or things that are organic and, and, that we can relate to that's you know we like human stories we like documentaries we like uh personal stories we like you know we things that we can relate to and connect with and and i think with music the more production it has the less organic it seems and more machine-like you know like mm -hmm. growing up i used to love industrial industrial music and i used to love metal and uh, you know i I grew up listening to like Gravity Kills and Stabbing Westford and KMFDM. And, but then I also listened to like Fear Factory and, and, um, you know, Napalm Death and, and like, you know, heavy stuff. And uh, there's something like I loved about both of them. I loved both philosophies. Like w from one end, like the, the history of industrial music was like, well, why does an instrument only have to be a guitar, drums, key, you know, or even at the time, keyboards were tab taboo and, and metal. But like, why did ha why why are these sounds the only things that are 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 okay to create music with? Like, why can't we have weird sounds and create new instruments and create like all these weird things and then create uh, music this way? Like, they kind of questioned, you know, what is music? You know, what is music? What is um, what what? creates a beautiful sound and a, a song and all these things and and i love the pushing of the boundaries of that but i also love the idea of like you know a a guitar 
almost being like a analog watch, right? Like there's something that we connect with with an analog watch that we don't connect with a digital watch. You get a, a analog watch and it's like, oh, it moves, there's parts and you can, it, it, it kind of, you can relate to it because it's it's like a human body, right? It's like, oh, it, there's moving parts, there's uh, mechanisms and and all these things that that make it all work together. And you look at a, a a guitar it's kind of the same thing like it's just it, you can understand it. it's made out of wood it's made out of organic uh real products it's not synthetic well obviously some guitars are synthetic but you know a, a acoustic guitar and and it's there's something we can relate to it and and I, it it's weird because you the way the music's trending in a direction of becoming more digital it's almost like that's the way the world is going like everything is becoming more digital and everything is going in a direction where we're we're kind of losing connection to anything organic, and I'm and then you get into the argument of like, okay, well, what is organic, right? Like, if if man made the synthetic thing, is the synthetic thing organic? Because man's nature and nature is creating this new thing, and it's like that kind of opens up another whole bag of worms. Yeah, it's totally true, man. And so. Yeah, it's so true about this day and age. I mean, we're entering this world where, you know, we're we're so far removed from anything like natural or what you would traditionally view as natural organic, you know, life, uh, you know, just coming from the dirt or anything like that. Like nobody has any connection with that, really, you know. And so, you know, I think there's a big movement, though, to get back to that. Um, and I think that uh, a lot of people have seen what what's being presented to us, what's being offered to us. And we're like, hmm. Yeah, I'm good on all that, you know, and uh, I, I believe that that's and, and it's not even really just like going out and living in the woods or anything like that. It's just uh, we see where this is going. I mean, we talk about it all the time, you know, and uh, we're just trying to fortify ourselves for whatever's coming. And, you know, I always think that music is is just such a powerful way to communicate. Uh, you know, you were saying how like thinking is like or, or we're, you know, conversation is thinking out loud it's like i heard someone describe like music is really like the sound of emotions you know this is like what because you can really like there's no way to like describe i mean you can describe a feeling with words and might be able to get it across but like there's some songs or just some notes or some chords put together in a certain way that just communicate a certain feeling like you know and it's like there's nothing really that can do that so you know i've always thought of music as being such a powerful force and something that really kind of separates us from these potential machines. I think about this a lot. Like I kind of had this, in fact, I kind of had this idea for a story. This is several years ago too, before all the AI stuff like really got crazy, but like, uh, you know, it's a, some futuristic world where, uh, and I, I've, I've done some writing, you know what I mean? I wrote like two thirds of a book, like handwritten out like it's, but it turned out to be really dark. It's kind of like kind of dark. And I'm like, Hey, I don't want to put this out in the world, you know? And this is like years and years and years ago. But it was like, I wrote a damn good, like 300 pages, you know, and uh, started typing it up and more just especially the last few years. I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I want to put this out. In the world. I think it's great. It's like great plot twists, amazing characters, but it's just overall really dark. And I don't really want to put that out there. But, you know, I love writing and coming up with stories and stuff. And like, so this idea, so it's somewhere off in the distant future. Right. And it's uh, it's this um, it's like the machines are pretty much taken over. They've taken over all of the. Uh, all the human jobs they've taken over, you know, all the infrastructure and all this stuff. Um, and they're starting to like take over the world. And it's like the big, you know, like the Terminator style, like human versus like, or the matrix, like robot, like kind of 
they're, they're like battling for domination over the universe or something like that. And, and, uh, they just realize that there's one thing that like the machines can't do. They can, they can almost do it as good as humans, but they can't quite. And that's like create art, you know? And so like, it's so weird now how we're seeing all this emergence of like AI art and stuff like that, which is, you know, it's, it's, good it's impressive but it's still you can tell it's ai art it's it's you can tell that the humanity's been removed from it you know you can look at it immediately and be like oh yeah that's just an ai art or if you see somebody on like instagram trying to pass something off as like their own piece of artwork it's like dude you just went to a thing and you typed in a word and you got that you know what i mean it's like you know the humanity's been stripped out of that so anyway in this in the reality of this story it's basically just a guitarist right and he just like challenges the machine this this machine that's like you know, their, their ultimate art generator or music generator to like a, a guitar off. And they like, they like, and so basically they've, they've waged all like the whole battle comes down to like whether or not this guitarist can beat this machine and like a guitar battle or something. You know what I mean? It's just something kind of silly like that. But, you know, I feel like no matter how advanced these things get, they'll still, and even comedy, comedy, like stand up comedy is a great example. You know what I mean? Like I still don't think that they'll ever be able to achieve you know, like replicate like actual hilarious, like stand up comedy or like be able to make a song as powerful as some of the greatest songs that humans have ever written, you know, like they just won't be able to do it. And, uh, or even if they do, they'll still be that element. You'll be able to tell that that's like a computer generated song or something like that. It's just gonna be like gross. That's just gross. You know what I mean? And so, um, and that just comes back to the idea that like, there's something special about just our, consciousness that they can't replicate even though they're trying they're trying so hard to like create consciousness like in a box and duplicate it but i don't think there's any way they can do that so i think we're we'll always be you know we'll always have something special above the machines even though they might be able to outperform us in like tasks and stuff like that but just the, the idea of like the consciousness thing really fascinates me you know so we just have to revert back to and find ways to you know just be as much in our organic humanity and consciousness as possible. Yes. So that was my yeah. Ricky Veranda style rant for the day. There you go. <laughs> yes. Well, well, I think you made up a lot of really good points. And, and I think uh, it, it's, you're making a really good, point. like there's, that's something that I find really interesting. This idea that if we get to a point where everything is AI created, would something still feel off and missing, right? Like it's almost like, if we get to a point where like it becomes like imagine if we're like generations and generations into like everything being artificial like what if like there's humans that are so like something doesn't feel right about this universe something doesn't feel like something feels fake or artificial and you can't put your finger on it you know and um and the thing about music like the thing and it's really fascinating that what you're saying about art because the thing about art the reason why i think you're right and it, it's hard to recreate because it's not something that you can quantify. It's something you feel. And robots can't feel. Mm -hmm. You know, they can they might be able to get to a point where they think they can recreate something that seems like feelings. But a good song, you know, and I've I've talked to like many musicians about this because I, I find it really interesting. Like this idea that like you can get the best musician, technical musician who understands music, you know, to an extent that like I couldn't even comprehend at all. And they couldn't write a fucking song that moves anybody. And then you get a guy who taught himself and he writes a song that changes lives forever, you know? And to me, like I, I always reflected on, cause I was never really, I, I played 
shows with like a lot of really, really good musicians. And I would envy them I'm like that dude is so good at guitar. And then they would play the, you know, they'd be playing cover stuff. And, and you'd be like, this guy is just shredding. I cannot believe how well he's playing whatever he's playing. And then you hear the original song. Oh, now we're going to play original. And you're like, this song sucks. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You're just like, you know, and then, you know, you you start thinking like, why is that? And you you start realizing and reflecting on the fact that your favorite songs aren't the most technical songs to play in many cases. And there's a lot of songs that you absolutely love and adore and just moved you and songs that stay with you forever and still gives you goosebumps when you listen to to them that you could teach a basic musician, you know, a very average musician how to play and they're not difficult songs. So it's like, it is about feeling. It is about, you know, and we, and I'm not even sure we can, we quite fully understand, you know, I know, um, music theorists and, and other people uh, maybe might disagree with me, but I think in many cases we can't really understand why a specific song or melody or something about a feeling of a song, you know, because that's that's one thing that I I always try to tap into. I'm like the feeling of the song. There's certain songs that are just like, and you know, it's funny because my daughter has uh, my son. I think is has gotten some of my athleticism and. Mm love sports and that love but my my daughter has gotten this love for uh creativity from me oh, it's awesome she she listens you know at a very young age one at a very young age she understood sarcasm which was re really interesting but at a really young age she would hear a song that wasn't like over the top sad but she would listen to a song that would make her cry and she's i'm like what she's like you have to turn off the song i'm like why she's like it's so sad and i'm just like Huh? You know, like you don't, you, you can't even understand the words. Like you just, but it was the tone of the music. It was the, and I think that that's something we all have. You know that we we all can you know tap into that. We we you know I think a good movie can do that. You know, like uh, I was funny because I was listening to um because Rob Wolf's coming on the Ripple Effect podcast uh, soon, and I was listening to uh, a, a recent episode of him and his wife, and they were talking about how they struggle to find a, a show that they can watch together because she doesn't like her entertainment to be stressful, right? Like, she's okay. like, you know, so she was talking about how, like, she tried watching Yellowstone, but she's like, she was just like stressed out and it was like, you know, uh, because they just finished watching stranger things and, and which I haven't watched it. And I haven't watched Yellowstone either, but yeah, she, either. she, she talked about how, and, and I was thinking to myself, I'm like, yeah, that kind of makes sense, you know, but then I'm like, but I like dark shit. I'm like, I like, you know, the, one of the reasons why I liked the, the, the show, the boys was because of the opening scene, because I'm like, Oh shit! These guys don't pull any punches. I don't know if you have, if you if you've seen the no, boys. I don't even know what that is. No, it's I'm so out of the loop with TV or movies. Yeah, I I, I pick and choose because I'm like, if I'm gonna watch something that's just mindless entertainment, I want to feel. It's almost like me music or anything. Like I want to feel something. I want to. I what what some people would call stress. I call like tapping into like some human emotion and psychology. And I'm like, I want something that like either brings me into a dark place because it reminds me that those places is, exist oh, yeah. or um, just shows or music or something that makes me feel something. You know, it's almost like people who like a little bit of dysfunction in a relationship because it almost reminds them that they're human, you know, because the most human thing is emotions, like it's feelings. You know, I, I like that's that's what makes us so different than other things, you know, is that we have that emotions and feelings 
is such a influence in our lives and how we look at things and what we do and don't do and how we interact with people. And, and I think a lot of times people neglect those things. Like I think as, as musicians and people who love music, we're like, yeah, you can pretend you're just looking at everything logically, but we know that's basically impossible. Like there's always going to be some emotion, some trauma, something that is affecting why you think a certain way even if it's like if you can fight through it a little bit you know there's still a little bit there's ego there's you know maybe you have um uh, you know a, a parent that you didn't get along with that was a conservative so now you hate conservatives you know or or maybe you know whatever it may be you know just that was just an example but like there's all these other factors that in that are in our subconscious and this goes back to um tr you know bringing it back around to to what you mentioned about the just how interesting, you know, the conscious and subconscious is and all that stuff. Um, there's all these other things that are influencing the way we think and the way we feel and, the, and our decision making. And we might not quite understand it, but Google understands it a little bit. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, social media understands it a little bit. And they have the best scientists and, and psychologists hired to figure out how do we influence the way you think and the way you feel and all these different things? And um, so to pretend those things don't exist would be naive. And I think that, you know, that's how we we deal with it. You know, I, I was listening to, um, you know, a, a, a friend of ours, Sean Stone, you know, Sean. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was on uh, The High Wire recently, and uh, he was talking about his his series called The uh, the Best Best Kept Secret, right? Or Right. I think that's what, what, yeah, the best kept secret. It's a docu-series. I think it's available. It might be available on his website, but it's definitely uh, available on iconic, uh, David Icke's, uh, yep. alternative media platform. And, um, Dell was talking about how, like, it, it took him into some dark places that he like, he's like, I don't like being there. <laughs> you know, he's like, he's like, he's like, he's like, it's just, just really dark stuff and how he, you know, he has a hard time handling, uh, d diving deep into these rabbit holes. And uh, Sean made a really good point. He's like, you know, he l always liked horror and liked darkness. And he's like, because confronting it is how you deal with it. And it's it's so true. Like, and then it, it made me think, like, why do I always why did I always like dark music? Or, I, you know, growing up, I liked a lot of artsy, like um, independent films that kind of like were disturbing to some, you know, sense. And. It, it and I think a part of it was like this exists in the world, and yeah. if if you ignore it, right? If you pretend it doesn't exist, uh, you have a very flawed perspective on reality and and the truth about you know humanity and how evil it can be and how dark it can be, and I think confronting it is 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 a way of of dealing with it and and maybe trying to understand it, maybe trying to um change it may you know uh, you can't if if you neglect the issue you can't fix the issue um and but it, it also like i said it also reminds us that these things are real and some people are evil and do evil things and some people deal with trauma that most of us couldn't even begin to 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 understand how it affects them psychologically um you know, I remember I, I said this on one of my shows or it was an interview or something and I had some listeners hit me up and they're like, oh, that's exactly how I felt. But uh, I was talking about the Slipknot album, right? The very first one. Uh, and I remember when that album came out and there's some freaking dark 
songs on there you know some really tattered and torn and like all these really dark uh, uh songs and i remember listening to this album and i'm like and this goes back to what you were saying earlier because i completely agree with you like i'm thinking to myself I'm like if you were in the head of a psychopath and you turn their you know what was going on in their head into music this is what it would sound like and it, you know, like you, you, you're listening to it. And I, you know, back in the day when we were growing up, people actually used to like sit in their rooms and listen to full albums. And oh, yeah. I remember like being in my room, listening to that album, like doors locked. And I'm just like, I feel like I'm in the head of a fucking psychopath right now. Like, and I loved it. I'm like, this is so dark and crazy. And, you know, in, maybe a little bit is also you know some people say this it's like we all have a little bit of darkness in us and it when you listen to music sometimes one some of the things we like is that we could it, it seems like somebody else has is going through a similar thing that we're going through and that gives us peace of mind that makes us feel better and i think when we listen to really dark music uh you know I, at that time i was in a really dark place too i was just you know just didn't really always felt like an outsider you know and dealing with some depression issues and not not to give a whole sob story because uh you know it's many typical, people typical kid in like the late 90s right typical, yeah you know and and but you know like i i don't i mean i guess i i was about to say for whatever reason i i was dealing with some some severe depression but uh i i could that'd be a whole other conversation to try to diagnose myself on why but it would whatever w was causing it um listening to that album made me feel like oh shit somebody else has been to this dark place somebody else has like because this is this my soundtrack this is how i feel right now and um it's similar and it's funny because there's certain songs that you listen to at certain times of your life that that stay with you forever and like another song that always comes to mind is um under oath uh the album uh to find a great line right is that the, the, the... i don't even know i'm not familiar yeah. with that. and and, uh, it, it, and they have a song it, it i think it is uh, to find the great line and uh the, the last song of the album is to whom it may concern and it's one of the darkest saddest songs ever and i had that song on this was when like i was I basically I'm pretty sure I had alcohol poisoning and I was locked in my room for a week and I had that song on 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 just looping for a week straight in my room and that that song because of that experience of um and it wasn't the only experience like that but if the that that because of that song playing during that experience that every time I hear that song it gives me fucking goosebumps mm -hmm. and it just like brings me back to that place of like mentally psychologically like not knowing what's going on and just like not you know thinking i'm gonna die and like you know all these other crazy things are going through my head at the time and um you know just hearing my parents knocking on the door thinking i'm dead in the room and i'm just like you know like leave me alone you know because i and it was weird and um it was you know what was weird too is that coming out of my room after like a week uh not knowing what your voice sounded like not oh, knowing what you look like sure. you know um you know have, have, uh, i know you you've had some similar oh, yeah. What, yeah like unless you experience it you don't realize like how do you forget the sound of your voice well first of all people have a hard time believing that because i never shut the hell up so they're like <laughs> <laughs> you forget you're making up for lost time you're making up for lost time 
That's <laughs> hilarious. Man, yeah. I mean, sure. Yeah, I've been I've been in places like that, just complete loneliness and isolation and um completely forgot anything about that, you know. But you know, I think again, a part of it too, like what you were saying earlier, is like our I think that's what draws us to do what we do, like these podcast conversations and trying to get to the bottom of certain aspects of our reality, whether it's like current events or like ancient mysteries or whatever it is, you know, we're drawn to it. Cause I would rather know than not know. I can't just stick my head in the sand and I can't just pretend like these things aren't happening. And for some reason I have to be the one, you know, and I think we probably all feel this way to a certain degree. It's like, well, I guess it's up to me to kind of get this information out there. And if these guys aren't going to do it and I don't care what you call me or what, what you guys do to me, it's still like, this is something I feel compelled to do. Um, it's just really weird. And then, you know, talk about like the darkness stuff, like, Immediately what came to my mind was like, you know, I was, uh, my dad worked for like this, he was like an electrical engineer, worked for like this company, you know, like the little heart, heart monitor machines are called oscilloscopes that are like beep, beep that do that little thing. Like his company that he worked for invented those. And he was like a part of that whole thing of like inventing those damn things in Portland, Oregon. It was a company called Tektronics. Like that was, this was back in like the eighties, you know, like seventies, eighties. Anyway. So he, uh, he was always like on the cutting edge of like technology and stuff like that. And I remember we, when I was like, I don't know, eight, nine, 10 years old, like we had like a personal computer at the house and like, I didn't know anybody had a personal computer and like, and then like the internet came out, like the 56 K like dial up modem. And like, I was, and like, I was like on the internet, just like when it was like as wild west as it could possibly freaking be. And I was learning about all this stuff and going into like IRC chat rooms and learning like, dude, it was nuts, man. Like, like I remember being like 10 years old watching like beheading videos and stuff like that. I remember like, it was like that, whatever, what was that website? It was like rotten.com, like that type yeah, of stuff. Like rotten.com. Like, yeah. This is before, before there was, yeah, dude, there was, this is before there was any awareness as a parent that, Hey, maybe you shouldn't just let your kid just run loose on the internet, you know, like before I remember like, you know, I saw like, you know, like pornography when I was probably like eight, nine, 10 years old, man. Like I didn't, I didn't even know what I was doing. You know what I mean? Like I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So it's like, uh, so I feel like I, my brain was kind of shattered at a young age, which is very interesting. I think that, that has some correlation to maybe some of my dysfunction later in life around like drugs and alcohol and stuff. And so I don't know, I don't know, you know, I don't know. I've, I've, I've thought about that. I'm like, it's not probably. And then, and then today, like, I don't even know, man. Like, I don't have kids, like, probably, as you know, it's like, I would do everything in my power just based on my experience. And then now how readily available and accessible all that horrible stuff is online. Like, I don't know how you parents do it, man. Like, how to even navigate that? Because, like, it just feels like it's just, I saw this ad, I saw this article recently where they came out with this new, and this is the most preposterous thing ever. I don't, let me see if I can, like, actually find the article. But it was talking about how, this makes me sound just crazy just saying it, but it's basically saying like teenagers or whatever, like if you have nudes of yourself, like these like teenage, like, you know, kids, if they have like nudes of themselves, they can upload it to this database. And then the database will put attach like a digital tag to that image. And then if that image pops up anywhere on the internet, it'll erase it. And it's like, so this, there's this company that says, Hey guys, just upload all your pictures. Just, crazy. Just, just upload all your naked pictures of yourself here. We'll protect you from, if that photo ever gets out, I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I'll see if I can find it here. I, 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 Nambla? Dude, it's for real. It's like, okay, like this is like, I don't even know, man. So, uh, I guess that would, to, to be the devil's advocate, I guess yeah. if, if I thought 
people were good, <laughs> I would be like, okay, that would be a way of like, because like you said, you could almost use facial recognition or whatever technology to find that somewhere on the web. But yeah, I yeah. don't think people are all good. And somebody is probably going to, who works there cannot be trusted or the person who created the company cannot be trusted. And it's just going to use the shit for his own pleasure. Like that's just, yeah. unfortunately, you know, the world we live in and you can't, you can't deny that that stuff happens. I mean, I heard, uh, was it, uh, uh Rogan bring up, uh, uh, Barry Crimmins. Um, that sounds familiar. I don't know. The he, he's the boss. Familiar. I think his name's yeah. Right. Barry Crimmins. He was a, a Boston comedian. He, who, uh, Rogan looked up to and, um, you know, I before he passed away, I remember like being in contact with him with, oh, you know, trying to get him on the show. He had a a good documentary called uh, what the hell was his documentary called? I'll, I'll have to look it up when I get a, a second. But um, he he was molested as a child, and he sued. He was a part of a giant lawsuit with suing AOL because AOL, the chat rooms for people. I, I know there's people listening who don't know what a VHS is or a CD or sure. whatever. So they're well, like AOL is. Nobody knows what AOL is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're OG. You're OG with it. <laughs> yeah. But I do get those people from time to time. Yo, you're still using that AOL. I'm like, I've never changed it. It's just, you know, but um, it's uh, so in the AOL chat rooms, people were, were, were basically sharing child porn and AOL knew it and didn't do anything about it because I, I don't know if it was because it was a paid service and they were getting money from it or there's some there's some way financially that they, they just didn't want to get involved and they're letting it happen and Barry Crimmins uh, ends up being a part you know basically being a part of this lawsuit and and suing them and uh, and and being uh, you know in in this documentary they they uh, they show this whole thing. And, um, but yeah, I mean, and it just like, they didn't care, you know, and I'm sure you've heard me talk about that movie tickled, uh, on, um, well, I don't know if it's still on Amazon prime. It was on Netflix. Maybe it was on Netflix too, but, uh, that movie tickled was a interesting documentary, uh, that kind of also brought you into some dark places, uh, because what it was, it was a guy who was a documentary filmmaker, some type of journalist or whatever. I forget what his name uh, was, but he, what found some website or something i don't know how he ran into it but he found some website where it was like these like college kids getting tickled and that's all it was it was like these college kids in their underwear getting tickled and he's like what the fuck is this so he starts diving deeper into it like who who owns this website who created his website what the hell is going on here and then come to find out these guys were paying these college kids to uh basically you know dudes to get uh like a lot of them were jocks and stuff like that, paying them to uh, to basically record these videos. And the thing about uh, these videos are like, hey, they're never going to be out in public. They're for our personal use only. You're in college. You're broke. We're, we'll give you money. You don't have to worry about ever getting humiliated or whatever. And uh, and but if you ever say anything, I'm going to put these videos. These videos will just, you know, appear everywhere and we're going to humiliate you. You know, so th that's how they kept it secret. Right. And um and this guy exposes this whole thing, finds out like there's like these rich and powerful people involved with this website. He ends up getting uh followed and tracked and and spied on and all the stuff. And he just like opened up this whole cans can of worms um with this whole like enterprise that's that's running this this uh video campaign where I could, I think they were selling these videos to like people who like young boys um in their underwear and um 
Right. So they were making money off it. So wow. I mean, chances are they're making much more money off it than than what they were paying the 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 kids, the the college kids who were probably broke eating canned food. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was just like one of those other like just stumbled upon, you know, a a you know a, a whole enterprise of this stuff. And wow. it's like how many of those things exist in the world, dude? I I was just sitting here like when you were saying that, like I had a weird situation where I kind of stumbled across something really weird. I was like, do I even talk about this? Should I say it? I'm like, yeah, it's not that big a deal. So, um, I mean, it's a big deal. It's fucking crazy, and I've never even talked about this. Maybe I told a couple people, but have you ever heard of uh? Uh, this website, it's like called chat roulette. Are you familiar with chat roulette? Or I think there's a chat roulette. There's another one called, uh, Omega, which is interesting. And, but basically what it is, is it's like, you just, um, so basically it's like an interface just like this, right? Where it's just you and you got your webcam and, uh, and then you just click next. And then like a random other person in the world will pop up. Just and it's, so it's somebody else at their computer, and it's just basically chat roulette. It's just people just like, hey, you know, I'll, you know, just hit next, next, next until you find someone you want to talk to. And this was like for me when I was like getting high all the time. Like I would do it because you know you meet like sometimes you meet like other ladies that are getting high like out there in the world. You know what I mean? It's like it's just like chat roulette. And so you could, it became like kind of like this like addiction in and of itself, right? And then I became homeless and I didn't really have access to that anymore. But there was a period of time where like <laughs> I was like just sitting there just getting high going chat roulette next 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 it was just it was weird it's a weird thing but and you meet you see some of the weirdest shit in the world on there like the weirdest shit you've ever seen like people just doing weird shit and it's just like what the fuck dude like it's crazy so this one time this always stood out to me there was this uh i click next 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 and it pops up and it's like a and i don't know this might have been staged like there were certain certain things where like people would stage things or they would like you know, just to shock people, you know what I mean? I've heard stories of like people like committing suicide on that thing, like in front of people, stuff like that. Like I've heard crazy horror, horror stories, but there was one where, uh, it was like a camera and it was inside, like basically the view, um, was showing like a woman inside of like a, like a, like a, look like a jail cell, like a naked woman, like in a jail cell. And I was like, and then you can, there's like a chat option. So you can either talk or you can chat. And I was like, hello, hello. And, uh, the person on the other side just typed. And so you could tell there was somebody operating a computer and, uh, you know, the camera was facing inside the cell and there was like a naked woman in there. And I was like, what the fuck is like, I'm like, what is this? And then the camera switched and there was like another woman in like another cell. And then they could have just been playing a prank. I don't know. But, but then I saw that and I was like, what is going on here? I'm like, what are these, are these women? So I typed, are these women being held against their will? And the person said, yes. And I was like, what the fuck? And then, uh, I said, what do you do with them? And I'm sorry, Ricky, this gets a little dark, but uh, I said, what do you, what, what is, what is this? What do you do with these women? He's like, we breed them. And I was like, oh my God. And then, uh, and then I was just trying to like, see like what he, like, what, like, what is this? Like, just trying to get more information. I was like, well, how does somebody like get involved with this sort of thing? And they're like, bring us a woman. And I was like, oh my God. And I got freaked out. I just clicked next. And then they just never see him again. And I was like, what the fuck? So I think I should any way of of tracking i don't know like, i probably should have like hit report or something like that but i don't know i just wasn't like i just scared the shit out of me well, and i was just like fine. yeah <laughs> it's yeah yeah i mean this would have been like 10 years ago you know what i mean but it was just like man dude so i wrote that always took that was a very frightening moment like stumbled across some weird little oh i don't even know what the hell it was i, I you know probably was somebody playing a prank but still it was very creepy it was very 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 creepy so well, it was creepy because even if it was a prank, we know things like that exist. Yeah, totally. You know, 
even locally, there was a um, some serial killer in Springfield, Massachusetts that like and they, and they well, he was he was like a serial rapist. He had like women living in his basement and it was just like it was really creepy. But the city did a, such a great job of covering up the story because obviously it's bad publicity. And it was just like it was a one of those like stories that you're like, this will be a movie. This will be a book. And it's like so you're like fascinated with it. Like, how to how was this happening and how many women did he have and like how long was he doing this and they were finding like dead bo- parts of the dead body parts in, in the the yard they had like a a giant excavator there like digging up the dirt and nobody talked about it again and i'm like wow. like you know they covered it up the city wouldn't talk about it that the, the local news stopped reporting on it and i'm just like because they don't want you to know or at least they don't want you to remember be remembered um, be reminded, I'm sorry, uh, sometimes I sound like an immigrant, and um, be, be reminded that it's, you know, this stuff does exist, and this stuff does happen, and maybe we're not all as safe as we think we are, and, you know, the, these dark worlds exist, and, you know, you know Memory Hold, and, and yeah. I always reference his work, because his documentaries are some of the ones that will take you into some weird, dark places, and he tells you, like, don't go to these websites don't do these things because it's like you know you could end up being flagged and that's why a lot of these researchers like him and there's like a a whole like group of researchers like him that will use fake names and use you know um just because they know that like you know how do you do research without going to these dark places how do you link these people together if you're not you know doing some research into these dark places but if you do that also means you can get flagged and you know they could blackmail you that's you know really yeah that's crazy yeah i uh when i was driving out here to nashville i uh which you know i'm sure everybody's been hitting me up like dude what's it like in nashville what's going on in nashville because this whole shooting incident which is very very strange so maybe i could give you some of my takeaways here in a minute on that but like when i was driving out here um we came down i was i had a traveling buddy who was moving to texas at the time they ended up moving back to oregon but we basically carpooled from or just like, you know, convoyed down through like Nevada, stayed with Steven Pasta there. And uh, for a couple of days, that was fun. Then we came up through Texas, went to Float Fest. And uh, but on the way out, we stayed in um, stayed in a hotel in a freaking Econo Lodge in uh, what the hell was that damn town? Uh, Abilene, Texas in Abilene, Texas in an Econo Lodge. And uh, that was like the scariest place I've ever been in my life, man. It was like right on the highway and like in the room they had like uh, in the bathroom, they had like a big placard that said like um, like a human trafficking, like hotline number on it. You know what I mean? I was just like, bro, this is crazy. And there was like a bar in attached to the hotel in the parking lot. People were just going nuts in the parking lot to like three in the morning. And then like the phone kept ringing all night. Like, I was like, what is this? Well, who would be calling me? You know what I mean? I didn't answer it. And then the craziest thing is at six in the morning, like it was still like dark out. There was like a pounding on my door and I looked out the window and it was just like two guys standing out there just knocking on the door. And I'm just like, oh my God. Like, and it was like, they just like two like regular, you know, clean cut guy. Like I could tell, like, you know, I, I, you know, just like regular looking dudes was like, why would they be knocking on my door at six in the morning? Like, unless they're anticipating someone's dumb enough just to open the door and they'll just snatch up whoever's there. You know what I mean? Like, I was just like, this is fucking nuts. And so we got the hell out of there as quickly as possible. But, uh, so sorry if anybody's in Abilene, Texas, I don't know, maybe that's just a thing, but I feel like, you know, that's a thing, you know, it's for real. It's crazy. 
Well, I've worked, you know, working construction, I've uh, traveled to some like really weird parts, like towns that have very little life and they're small communities. And you're just like, if somebody was molesting kids in this town, they probably wouldn't say anything or nobody would find out, you know, or, you know, just people that are just seem a little weird and a little off, you know, and those places exist, you know, and I mean, I remember hearing stories even back in, in Portugal, how, um, you know, because uh, where I was born, it, it was a like small community. It's it's all farmers. Basically, there's no real running water in any of the houses or anything. It's just like very like country like and and um, old school, I guess, for lack of a better term. But, he, you know, I remember hearing uh, talking to somebody about how there's a priest, a local priest. Uh, and they're like they still put like priests on this like hierarchy where it's just like this pedestal where they're they're you know better than the average person and everybody like was very polite and i do i do like some aspects of the way they lived because like priests and doctors used to actually come to your house and and like meet the family and there's a connection they were part of the community but the problem with that too is because they're so respected and such a part of the community that if they were doing things they shouldn't be doing nobody would speak up and they were mm. talking um this uh, this guy was uh sharing a story because he's from the same part of portugal that that i was from and he was sharing the story about this and he's much older than me so this wasn't during my time but it must have been during my parents time where there's this priest that everybody knew was doing some things he shouldn't be doing and but nobody would speak out and nobody would say anything They're like oh no you can't say anything you can't be the one to get this guy in trouble to get father whatever his name is mm -hmm. father you know um in, in trouble you can't you know and so that stuff does happen but you know that type of mentality and psychology is exactly what happens in hollywood too or happens in politics it happens in in everywhere like when the stories come out and they become public a lot of people afterwards when it's safe to say yeah, I knew he was a creep or I knew this was going on. Or yeah, I heard whispers. Um, I didn't say anything, but I definitely heard some whispers. Like it's only after somebody finally has the courage to say something or a victim finally comes out and some and they're they're believed. But this stuff happens. And in many times, because of the culture of not being you don't want to be the rat, you don't want to be the snitch, people keep their mouth shut. And and that's why it happens so often in Hollywood and, you know, in Nygar and fashion and, and all, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. us Bill and, and, and the UK hanging out with the, the royal family. You know, it's like they knew people know, you know, Weinstein, uh, Obama's daughters did an internship for uh, Weinstein, you know, and it's like you don't think secret service or anybody knew what you know they, they just knew that his daughters weren't going to get touched i'm sure they knew of all these other um you know uh, uh rumors of uh, the way they were treating he was treating women and, and whatnot so to me it's like you 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 create a, a a a culture where it becomes acceptable you know it becomes you know i just had uh uh jim brewer on my show and nice. he's talking about how yeah it was awesome a huge huge is uh, that out yet i saw you make a post about that is that out no yet? no it's not i typically yeah, yeah you typically yeah. don't hear uh about a, a show i'm about to release the guest on but i was so excited i'm like oh you yeah, know what? that's epic that uh that he was on but he he talked about it like in hollywood like you know knowing like this movie producer show producers like hanging out you know younger boys and all and like kind of people would see it and kind of and it's like it's the open secret that you know i had that um one of the people from the documentary the the open secret a open secret about um the hollywood uh, problem and it, it, i'm like perfect title 
because it is open secret. Like everybody kind of knows it's happening. Everybody kind of knows it exists, but nobody's saying anything. And I don't know if it's because they don't want to get in trouble. I don't know if it's because ignorance is bliss. And it's kind of like we're, we're you know, some people are like us and we want to go into the dark place and know it exists. But other people, it's too dark for them. And, they, and they'd rather ignore it. And, and it's almost like that's how they cope with life. And that's how they're able to smile because they, you know, they're neglecting or ignoring all the evil in the world. So it's easier to smile when you think that like, OK, the world's full of good people who are, you know, who aren't intentionally harming people, you know. And and I do think that's like one of the reasons why people struggle to grasp any of these things like, you know, we intentionally went into a war uh, based on lies and we intention and people died because of those lies and we knew it was going to and they knew it was going to happen and yet they let it happen or they intentionally you know vaccinate people that they knew were going to eventually harm people like that stuff is all true like that stuff happens that stuff you know that's true but some people struggle to to understand evil like that because they always like they're they always think of other people's moral compass as their own like they 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 try to relate to somebody using their own psych psychology and yeah. the way they look at the world and their own worldview so it's like if i wouldn't do it it's hard for me to imagine that somebody else uh uh could do it, it it's almost like they say like uh somebody who cheats is always accusing other people of cheating because if you can't be faithful, you have a hard time believing somebody else can be faithful, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, man, totally, totally. You know? Oh my gosh. Yeah, man. It's a crazy world out there. And I think what we're, what's so cool about what we get to do is we get to like put all the light back into it, man. And we, we're not going to be able to change the whole world, but you know, just the whole idea of your, this, you know, I, you know, just the whole idea of your show, the ripple effect, right? We just, we just cause little ripples and we don't know, we don't know how it's going to affect, you know, uh, like in the episode description I wrote about, like, you know, how you have had such a huge impact on my whole journey because like, man, you're one of the first people. I think, I think I can't I, like one of, if not the, no, the first interview was a guy named Matt something on Truezilla. So it was like episode five. We had a guy named Matt. And then I think you were like episode six, maybe, or something like that. Like the first interview we ever did, you know what I mean? And you've just been always so encouraging of, uh, you know, just everything that I've been involved with, man. It's like, like you brought us on the union of the unwanted. Like when we were just little babies, like we were like dead, like 10 episodes under our belt or something. You're like, Hey, yeah, come on the union of the unwanted. And like, that's opened every single door in the world, you know? And it's just like, it's just, you know, your, just your efforts and you just like, Hey, that one invitation for us on the union of the unwanted, like I wouldn't like be here where I'm at right now without it. Like, it's just so crazy, man. This, this ripple, you know, yeah, but and, about your, your own personal story, how inspirational it is. I mean, think about yeah. it. You were talking about Church. being homeless, dude. Yeah. I mean, you were, you had no home and now you're in a studio with a microphone, putting out episodes, talking to interesting people, uh, you know, putting out, uh, shows and episodes and conversations that could change lives forever. Like it's insane. I mean, I, I, and people love to hear those stories because it gives them a little bit of hope and it gives them a little bit of, of faith that they can, you know, do something. And it all starts with just believing you can do something, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and just actually doing it. Even if it's, you know, even if it's a little step in the right direction, just take the first step. Yeah, exactly. That I, I talk about that all the time. You know, I've got, 
So just recently I had a guy tell me that, you know, they started a show because of like, you know, listening to me. It's actually my t-shirt guy, Ryan over at Big Frog T-shirts. Shout out to Big Frog T-shirts. He's doing this great show called The Independent Review. Um, it's a tireview.org if anybody wants to check it out. He basically takes clips of all of our shows and he's got like, he, he animates it. So the host, it's not him hosting. He like creates an animation of like the character that hosts the show. It's hilarious. It's great. He's fantastic. And he's like, just right out the gate. He's like, a, you know, 10 episodes in something like that. So uh big shout out to him and his show. But, uh, you know, he said, yeah, man, it's like, a, like your encouragement. Cause I was, he was like sending me rough drafts of like an episode. He's like, can you look at this and like, tell me what you think. And I'm like, just put it out. Just put it out. Who cares? Just put it out and you'll learn. You'll grow. You'll figure it out. You'll learn what you do, what you don't want to do. He's like, oh, yeah, huh? And so he just started releasing them. And then, boom, he's just off and running. So, like, I think that's a big part of it, too. People get so preoccupied with it has to be perfect or it has to look like this or sound like this before I put it out. It's like, no, 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 just do it. Don't even don't even second guess yourself or you'll be stuck in that place forever, forever and ever and ever. So um, and being a podcaster is, is a lot like being a musician, I'm sure. Like, yeah. you, you, you start off with a vision of like what you want to sound like. And then as time goes by, you find your own sound. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, you know, I, I, I don't know, man, I'm still figuring it out for sure, but man, I, it's, it's been, it's been a pretty wild journey, man. Ever since I got to Nashville, it's just been crazy. And maybe I, we've already kind of gone down some dark roads already, man. I don't want to go any deeper with all this school shooting stuff. It's like, it's sad. It's tragic. Like there's some weird esoteric stuff around it. Yes, yes, yes. But it's like, you know, it's just like, and then of course it's all, Anyway, you know, so go the go listen to that. Yeah, go, go, go ahead. I was going to say the, the crazy thing is it was a transgender, right? dresser who yeah. used to go to that school. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not saying all people that are looking for a place on this earth and looking for attention or help or whatever. I'm, in other words, I'm not saying all cross dressers and transgender people have psychological issues. But I think there's that's something to at least look at, right? Like, I think in some cases, some of these people that are saying they're a different gender or just, you know, cross-dress, whatever it may be, like, I think maybe they're just looking for a home, for a community. They're, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know if you do this, but like, um, I often, right, like, uh, because I was that that outsider and that kid who was wearing Slipknot shirts and, you know, Slayer shirts and Iron Maiden shirts and kind of felt like a little bit like I didn't have a, because I was a Portuguese kid who at the time, like got away from organized sports, you know, and then I played, I, I skateboarded, I BMXed, I listened to metal and I live in like a Portuguese community where everything's about soccer and, um, you know, more traditional Portuguese sports, you know, and, 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 you know, it just, nobody really skateboarded and BMX and listen to metal, you know? And, uh, and I look at, like, sometimes I walk by people, right? And you, and like, there's like, I almost sense loneliness, you know, like you'll see the guy, he works at a gas station, right? And you could tell he doesn't take care of himself too much. Maybe he's overweight. Maybe, you know, he just, because a lot, sometimes like you're, I, I think you're, the way you take care of your external self is the way you take it, your, in, you take care of your internal self. It's a, it represents it a little bit or it's a reflection of it. Um, and, you know, I'm just like, I wonder what this kid's story is. You know what I mean? Like, I've, I'm like, how do, you know, how do you go up to a random person and say, Hey dude, like, 
you're not alone. Things will get better, you know? And it, I could be completely wrong. I could be completely misjud- misjudging somebody and you'd be like, go fuck yourself. I'm fine. <laughs> you know, but, yeah. or, you know, or I, you, do you get what I'm saying? Like, I yeah. almost, yeah. Sometimes I see kids, you know, I'll see people, you know, I say kids because like we're that old. We're not that old, but, well, you know, the kids like in their teens or 20s and they're either pissed off at the world or they're misbehaving and, whatever or they hate their parents and i just feel like like going up to him like dude i was you like i get it yeah, you know yeah. i get it and things are going to get better you're going to figure shit out you're going to you're going to get through this and you know it just i don't know it's like i i, I get the sense like i i can't help everybody but i want to you know like i it, i just sometimes it's it just because i think when we were those kids like we can pick them out quicker than somebody else totally. like I just look at like, hey, look at that weirdo who, you know, whatever, like uh, doesn't take care of himself. And I look at it like, why? Like, mm-hmm. like what's going on in his life that led him down this path? What is, you know, what, what, what issues or anxiety, depression, what, what is going on psychologically uh, with that person? And, uh, y- you know, you feel like you, you could, if if you took a little bit of time, you could talk to them and you could help a little bit, you know, but then I'm like, well, I can't help everybody. I don't know. I don't have enough time. I probably have enough energy to talk to everybody. I don't have enough time to talk to everybody. You know, hey, you're doing it right now. Like I know that what you talk about on the show impacts and helps people. Like when we get vulnerable and talk about our stories, like tonight you shared a lot. I'm sure that resonated with people. You know, I'm a big fan of that too. You know, for me, it's like, uh, you know, what, when like for me, it's recovery. Like I still am really involved in like the 12 step community and like, you know, that's, for me, it's like I'll be at a meeting and there'll be a guy there that says, oh, yeah, this is my – they ask at the beginning of every meeting. They're like, anybody, is this your first time here? You know, you have like less than 30 days clean. And there's usually somebody there that's like, yeah, I'm first time here. I just – I'm kind of just got hot, you know. This is my first day clean. It's like, you know, I always try to make a point to go up to that person after the meeting and just, just, just say, you know, hey, I'm glad you're here. Just introduce myself, say I'm glad you're here. You know, that's it. I don't have to like fix their life or anything like right then and there, but – usually just that gesture of just saying, Hey, I'm glad you're here. You know, that they're not used to that in any way, shape or form. They're used to being told, get the fuck out of here. Right. And so just being like, Hey, I'm glad you're here. Just keep coming back. You know, that's what we do. And just even that tiny little gesture, which takes no effort at all, like really goes a long way for helping people. Cause you know, people were like that to me when I first got there, they're just like, yeah, just keep coming back. You're, you're great. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I'm like, no, you're fine. Just keep coming back. Okay. So that's, yeah, it really doesn't take much a lot of times too, but I was going to tell you, as we're kind of winding down here, I got one more funny story that you reminded me of there. This is hilarious. So uh, <laughs> it'll kind of tie it all together. So you were saying like, you know, you see the person kind of disheveled at like a gas station or something. And, you know, you can't really judge their insides. You don't really know. Right. So I was working for this uh, agency. I was doing like drug and alcohol outreach for the child welfare department. I didn't actually work for the child welfare department, but I worked for an eight, like a basically a, it was basically a half preschool, half like drug and alcohol outreach. It was kind of a weird deal. But we had a contract with child welfare, so I would go out and work with parents who just got involved because of drugs and alcohol and stuff like that. And so uh, they were trying to do some fundraising, and my boss came in. And, you know, this was this was like way before my podcasting days, but still very much into, like, conspiracies and all that stuff. And uh, the boss comes in and is like, uh, I need a volunteer, somebody that can go, like, give a presentation at the Freemason Lodge and try to do some fundraising. I'm just like, 
Ooh, I'll do it. <laughs> right. And so I went into the Freemason Lodge and it happened to be uh Wednesday, September 11th that I went into the Freemason Lodge, which was hilarious. So I'm in there and I got to see the inside and all the crazy things and all the, the relics and all the symbols and all the weird things. And there was this guy that, that uh, met us at the door and they all had like their Freemason gear on their little aprons and stuff like that. And um, he introduces himself and he's like our escort as we go in and like they served us dinner and everything. Like it was, it was interesting. Like it was a little creepy. It was a little spooky. Um, but it was, it was, you know, all in all. And actually there was a guy there that I knew pretty well. And I'm like, bro, what? You're a Freemason. That's trippy. So anyway, <laughs> I had no idea. So, uh, anyway, so went off and, uh, just a few, it was like a few days later, like not even like a, maybe a week or two, maybe a week or two later. And then that guy, that, that Freemason guy, that was like the guy, he was like a little older, like maybe like 60, 65, that guy that like met us at the door and like took us around. I saw him downtown in Eugene, Oregon, where I was at. And he was completely like a bum, dude. He was dressed like a bum. He was just completely like, looked like he'd been living on the streets for years. And I'm like, it's that guy. Like, so this Freemason dude, and I heard somebody, I've told somebody this story. They said that sometimes like Freemasons, like they have to like, pretend like they're bums and go live with like the, the scourge or so. I don't know if that's a thing or not, but I swear to God, dude, he looked like he was just totally wrecked. Had been sleeping in a tent for years, dude. And I'm like, and it was him. There's no mistaking that it was him. Right. And I was like, that is the spookiest shit ever. And then I saw him again. And this time that I saw him, the same guy, I was at my gym. I had switched gyms and I went to this gym and it was a pretty, it was a relatively nice gym. And I saw him in there and he comes in and he's like, keep in mind, he's like 65 years old. And he does the, uh, you know, the, the, the above the shoulder, shoulder press thing with like the 45 pound plates. He put like four on each side or five on each side, like some ridiculous amount. And he was just going like, Rah. I'm like, oh my God, this guy's like superhuman lizard person, dude. And, and he had like a, a, a tank top with the Freemason logo on his thing. And so I'm like, what the fuck, dude, what is this guy? Freemason homeless lizard person, dude. It was so insane. So anyway. So you, you cannot judge it. So all these, you know, you look at a bum dude and some homeless person, you know, that might be a very high ranking Freemason lizard person that could probably shoulder press a lot more than you. So who knows? So <laughs> when I look at a bum, I, a lot of times I wonder like, what's their story? Yeah. Because, you know, how many of us could have taken the wrong, like zigged when we should have zagged and been them, you know, like I look back at my life and I'm just like, you know, just like just sharing that one story. Um, I'm like, what if I fucking killed myself by drinking yeah, too? Yeah. I mean, I used to have like this, I, I, whatever, not, not to get into it, but I used to drink yeah. way more than I probably should have. Um, yeah. I say probably like I'm being modest there, but it's, uh, and you know, I look back at them like I could, I could have been one shot away from alcohol death, you know, like I could have been one, you know, uh, drink away from getting uh, in a car accident, killing myself, or even worse, killing somebody else for my actions, you know, um, w which, you know, obviously would have been much worse. And and is the tragic story of a lot of uh, drinking and driving is that the drunkest person is the one that their body is uh, loose and just kind of goes wherever it goes. And then the person who's more sober tightens up uh, and ends up getting more harm. So, uh yeah i mean it without a doubt so that's it's it's hard for me not to sympathize with people you know i've i've had whitney webb and ryan on the show once uh together and uh i remember talking about uh we we're talking about epstein and child trafficking and we're getting into this conversation i hope you uh, my kids aren't too loud i can I, no, I you're fine you're good 
and uh, I could hear them upstairs. It sounds like they have some friends over. But um, it, it we're talking about uh, you know, these pedophiles, and we're talking about these politicians who who are, could uh, could be into these things and all this stuff. And I was humanizing them a little bit, right? Like I was saying, well, like I'm always curious about like their upbringing, like her people, her people, like could they be victims who eventually end up creating victims and uh um, pretty quickly uh ryan and and whitney pushed back a little bit and and they're just like oh you know but they're you know they're they're bad and i and i i almost felt like they were like uh, they thought maybe i was trying to sympathize with them to extent that like I'm saying that they're not responsible yeah, yeah. for their actions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're still responsible for their actions, but I think there is something to gain from trying to understand what led them there, right? Yeah. And, well, uh, I I think I think they're bred or not maybe bred, but they're 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 from a very very young age. They are like you know people in like the power political class. Like they want psychopaths. They want their offspring to be psychopaths and be able to grow up and and be you know, the type of like business person or whatever that just doesn't care and is willing to do all that. And it's like, there's a really interesting book. Um, have you ever interviewed Fritz Springmeier? Have you ever been able to get an interview with him? You know what I'm talking about? He's the guy that wrote the bloodlines of the Illuminati and uh, several oh. other like really good books. And he's got a fascinating story. I've been trying to track him down for years. It's so fake Mike real news. You know, he he's like doing shows and collaborating with him. And, uh, and I keep reaching out to Mike. I'm like, dude, can you please put me in touch with Fritz Springmeier? He's like my dream interview I need. He's like, yeah, bro, I'll get you, man. But he's like, he's so high. I don't think he can, I don't think he ever like, anyway, but, but <laughs> shout out, shout, shout out to fake Mike real news. But anyway, so, uh, but, and then his website's pentracks.com, P E N pentracks.com. And I submitted all kinds of interview requests, but Fritz kind of went underground for a while there. Like he, he, he came out with bloodlines of the Illuminati and was like a really famous like speaker. You can go to YouTube or maybe not anymore. There's like a 12 hour lecture of his about the Illuminati and all this stuff. It's crazy. Like he's extremely knowledgeable, but he wrote this other book, which, um, so like him and his wife partner, uh, I think they met through doing this, but he basically would work with, and he comes at it from like a Christian standpoint, but he was working with, um, like SRA, like satanic ritual abuse survivors and like MK ultra, like people that have been through that. And he helps like deprogram them, like help bring them back to reality. And so in the process of doing that, he learned so much about like the techniques that were used. And he talks about how he even had the chance to uh, work or, or interview or talk to some people that actually worked on those programs. You know what I mean? Like actually were the uh, insiders and stuff like that. So he learned like all the inside techniques, like all the, drugs they use and he wrote this book and it's this really sensational title but the book itself is just a mind-blowing mind-blowing book and it's called uh the the illuminati formula used to create a total undetectable mind control slave that's the name of the book <laughs> and you can get a pdf version of it and it goes into extreme detail about all the different like like they have like the monarch program and the the wizard of oz program and all these different like mind control techniques and stuff and the way he writes it, it's like, yeah, I can see that. And it's so horrific and vivid. And it talks so much about how like these elites, like families, like they have, they're very intentional. They, it's all based on trauma-based mind control. And they start the trauma-based mind control, like in the womb, like in, when the baby's like in the womb, they'll like stab it with like needles and stuff like that to like traumatize it while it's still in the mom's stomach. And they will like intentionally do a C-section 
prematurely. So the baby's born prematurely. So it's automatically born in this world, having to fight for its life and stuff like that. And it just like talks about how then a lot of them, you know, they just, it just talks about the, as a child, like all of the trauma rituals that they have to go. It's just like, what the fuck dude. And so it's like, it's a very deliberate thing. You know, they really deliberately breed people to be like psychopaths to hand this stuff down to, you know, and then part of being a psychopath is being able to, you know, blend in with the rest of us and not really, uh, show off those characteristics. So I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these people that are in power, you know, they're able to sh show the world one thing when in fact, they're just, you know, what we were talking about earlier, just like the worst type of evil you could possibly imagine, you know, and it's very deliberate. And I mean, that's just insane. So I don't know, but if you ever get a hold of Fritz, he's one of those guys. I'm like, dude, <laughs> Ricky, you've got so many people on your interview list. I'm like, Oh my God, I just uh, would love to. But so, uh, love to talk to that person someday. So I just, um, you know, you're, you're always, uh, you're just, you're just crushing, man. So, uh, what's, what's like your favorite interview you've done re recently? Well, of course, Jim Brewer is probably a great one, but yeah, and out and one. Not because he's a, he's a big name, but, um, you know, it's he's funny. Awesome. I, I mentioned, I think I, I ended the, the show by saying, I'm like, I think you're incapable of not having a deep conversation. Like yeah. it's like every conversation leads down, you know, that deeper, questions deeper type of conversation where you know you, you feel like you're 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 really sharing something um inspirational or important and you get that sense after the show like wow like this was this was fun it was important it was inspirational and somebody's gonna connect with this and um yeah. so he's definitely he's definitely one of them uh you know i think david whitehead you know yeah. and these are just the kind of people that i i've talked to recently so they're kind of fresh in my mind. But David Whitehead's also one of those people that I feel like is really fun to talk to because there's so many different rabbit holes you can go down. He has really interesting perspectives. Um, honestly, one of my favorite interviews I've ever done was uh, uh, Michael Millerman. I, I think Michael Millerman is absolutely fascinating. I remember when uh, the Grimerica guys hit me up and they're like, hey, you know, can you hook me? I'm like, dude, I love the fact that you want to interview him. I'm like, I, I was curious if I was the only person who found him so damn fascinating. I, I just, I love hearing him talk. I love hearing his perspectives. I love hearing his personal philosophies. I love hearing, and honestly, this goes to Alexander Dugan too. Like I love hearing him talk about Alexander Dugan. I like hearing Alexander Dugan and his perspectives on everything. I, I think he's incredibly fascinating and don't, I, people confuse fascinating with like you agree with everything somebody says. It's like, I can, you know, find somebody fascinating who challenges my ideas. And it doesn't mean I agree with everything they say, but it, I, I want people who, who challenge me, you know, yeah. and, you know, Dr. Tom Cowan throughout the years, same yeah. thing. Oh, you know, very fascinating. Uh, I remember when I had Jim Abrams on the guy who did the naked gun movies and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. And, uh, he was telling me that, He's like, oh, I just listened to a real fascinating show you just did with this guy, Dr. Tom Cowan. This was like, I don't know, episode 100 and something. So uh, it was a long time ago. But he, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, you you listen to that? You know, like I was thinking in my head, I'm like, I was excited. I'm like, one, I was surprised that a, a, a big guest is actually listening to my archives. And, and two, I was so excited that he ran into Dr. Tom Cowan because Dr. Tom Cowan, similar to... Michael Millerman, Slimmer to, to, you know, so, so many of the people that I try to get on the show that just shatter your worldview and make you look at things from a different perspective. I'm like, I'm so glad you ran into this episode because I'm like, exactly. I think, I think this type of person is not just special, but it's, it's necessary because it reminds you 
that the way you look at the world and your worldview could have been molded for you. And you need to break through that mold and break out of that mold and rethink things because a lot of our worldview is based on a foundation that was, you know, created for us. And, uh, you know, you look at every theory in the world, like, you know, it's a world round. Is it flat? Is, is there gravity? Is there not gravity? How do you know, what does Tesla mean when, you know, to understand the world, you have to understand frequency and what, what I forget what the three things were, uh, frequency, whatever. Yeah, I don't remember I, either. Yeah, I don't remember either. I don't know. <laughs> so, a couple, a couple of things, but it's like, what does he mean by those? Cause those are yeah. things that are, are like less explored than other things. And, um, you know, maybe there is something we don't understand about water and frequencies and gravity and all these other things. And uh, so, you know, those people are important. We need to ask those questions and understand, like you're saying, like, unfortunately, the way we look at the world in many cases has been a part of a greater plan of control and manipulation. And when people question if the earth is round or flat, I don't laugh at it. I don't dismiss it. I think, yeah, maybe. Maybe we've been completely lied yeah, to yeah. about this. We've been lied about everything else, you know, and there's, and when you look at like, you know, a hidden uh, wisdom and information that, you know, supposedly the Knights Templar have and, and uh, the Freemasons and maybe even our, our ancient ancestors, um, you know, uh, have hidden information to, to understanding the, the universe and the world around us. Uh, without a doubt, we, we could have information suppressed from us and other information fed to us to to keep us, you know, the domestic animals that we don't want to be. And then animals like you and I are the domesticated animals that are every once in a while are like, I don't I don't want to sit. I don't want to roll. I don't want to give paw. I want to ask why I can't leave this yard. I want to, you know, like we, we you know, and, and so I think it's important to to understand that and and so that way we can kind of open our mind to to these bigger questions yep absolutely absolutely well ricky you're doing a fantastic job man uh just i don't want to take up too too much more of your afternoon here but uh, i just really appreciate you coming on it's been way too long since we were able to catch up again you're one of my first episodes of the new show rebunk so uh man always a great conversation i know i don't have to do any show prep for it we just hang out and chat and like you do most of the heavy lifting so we're good to go but that was a fantastic conversation, Ricky. Thank you, man. Like uh, uh, the tech issues in the beginning sparked the whole conversation. It was like uh, Zoom, StreamYard, an awesome conversation about music. And somehow that jumped to child trafficking. I don't know how these things happen, but uh, it's just fantastic, man. So thank you, Ricky, so much. Please tell all the people where they can follow and support you. Yeah, so com is where you can find all the ways to support in the show if you can. Uh, you can also find all my channels, so Rumble, BitChute, Rockfin, uh, all the other ones that I'm on, Band.Video. Band.Video. Yeah, all, all the, so similar similar to uh, wherever they listen to your show, uh, you know, hopefully I'm also available there and on all the audio platforms, so subscribe, all that type of stuff. Uh, I screwed Scott out of some super chats so please also support scott because i might have hurt him by having these technical issues he couldn't live stream so please don't just support my show but support every show that you love and every show that brings you some value i constantly bring up this uh this value for value 
philosophy. And I think it's it's really important because I think many of us are doing work that uh, people connect with. And it's, uh, you know, getting people through their workday. It's getting people through uh, their drive home. It's getting people through some mindless crap that they probably don't want to do. And we're sparking some thought and we're provoking some thought and and giving them some, some food for thought. So try to give some value back. And I, I know some people are like, oh, I can't, you know, it's like, it doesn't have to be a lot. Like, you know, most of us spend a couple bucks on some stupid shit every week. You know, if it's a, you know, a drink at a gas station, you know, some overpriced bottle of water or whatever it may be, you know, it's like if if a small percentage of the listeners who, who listen to shows like ours contribute a little bit, it would go a long way in helping us do this. Um, unfortunately, the truth is we would still do it even if nobody contributed because, right, uh, right. That's, you know, but yeah. it, it doesn't, you know, hopefully that doesn't mean that people, if you can, uh, you know, don't contribute. And, and, you know, and, and also the the algorithms are uh, like, I would say on my, my intros, I'm like the algorithms without a doubt are not helping shows like us. I, I know a kid who has an Instagram page who for some reason, Instagram just went like crazy with like uh, suggesting his page. And he went from like a couple thousand to hundreds of thousands of followers. And I'm like, I remember talking to him. I'm like, how, how did that happen? He's like, I have no idea. He's like, I didn't change anything. He's like, I was just, he's like, I just hit the wave, the algorithm. And I'm like, and I looked at him I'm like, that would never happen for my show. No. I'm like, shows like ours will never have that luck. If anything, the opposite is happening. We're being suppressed. So, you know, people sharing our shows, telling people about our shows, all those little acts are little ripples that can make a difference and, and help get these uh, conversations out there. Awesome. 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 Well, thank you so much, Ricky. And then everybody listening out there, uh, just uh, check out the rebelsforcause.com. That's a big event coming up in Nashville. Ricky, you were personally invited. I want to see you, the whole family there. If you want to speak, present, whatever, come hang out. Or I also, I'll talk to you offline, but I've got a whole like affiliate package for you in case you wanted to shoot it out to your audience. And then you can get some cut of the ticket sales that come through that link and all that good stuff. So, uh, yeah, anybody, uh, it's going to be an awesome event. We just added Owen Schroyer, dude. We just added Owen Schroyer. As a speaker, just right before the show here, I, I was in correspondence with him. He's like, yep, I'm in. Let's do it. I'm like, yes. So we got oh, that the, is- cuck, the cuck destroyer. Schroyer is going to be there speaking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a yeah. So we're excited, guys. It's going to be fun. So rebelsforcause.com to go just see the lineup. It's just epic, 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 epic. And then get your tickets there, too. So awesome. Yeah. Send me send me that information. I know. When we when we have more time, I'll I'll maybe reconnect with you if I have any questions and go over anything that I might have to ask. But definitely support people and go out and meet. Whole thing is is uh you know the the after I, I think recently I was talking to the other Union of Unwanted guys and I'm just like we have to do a live event. I'm like we I'm like somewhere I just it, even if it's for selfish reasons like I just want to meet all you guys. I want to. You know, because I know many of you will come out and I would love to meet people. I mean, I've had so many interactions with people like you and Monica Perez and Miriam and, and uh, you know, I've never met Charlie or Mike or Sam in person, you know? So it's like, um, I consider all you guys friends. Like I consider you guys like good friends of mine. Like if I, yeah. if you guys needed something, I, you know, I, I'd be there. I, I would help you in any way I can. And if, uh, you know, and if you live close, I feel like we'd all be hanging out from time to time. So uh, it'd be awesome to actually connect with people in, in, uh, physically in, in, in person. So, uh, you know, hopefully we, and we did say if that does happen, Charlie and Sam said it'd probably be Vegas. So (laughs) it'd be a reason to go to Vegas. Um, but, uh, keep up the amazing work, Scott. Uh, 
I think your story, you know, it's it's like even when you said it, like, uh, you know, you're talking about being homeless and it's just like it's fucking surreal to think like what, what I mean, I hope people comprehend what homeless means. Like you have nowhere to live. You have no resources. And to go from that to like, you know, doing the amazing work you're doing now and just being an inspiration to many other people uh, is just phenomenal. I, I, I love the fact that you're out there and I love that people um, can run into your work and hear your story. And I also love that you're open book and willing to share your story uh, because uh, I think it's, it is really important with the, uh, you know, people understanding that there's people out there who've been through, you know, similar things and you can prevail and you can get through it. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Well, we're just gonna keep getting through it, no matter what they throw at us. So, hey, I've been through way worse than all this crap. So, yeah, we get this. What? They want to stick a little needle in my arm? Like, come on, you're gonna have to try a lot harder than that. Come on. <laughs> all right. Well, Ricky, thank you so much, brother. And uh, yeah, we'll just catch up soon. Absolutely, all right, everybody out there, stay free and keep crushing. And... See you.